Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. But uh, the Lord has confirmed to me that this is what He wants me to talk about this morning. And um, I just want to take a few minutes and talk with you about guilt or grace. And you know, there's one thing that we have to be able to um, agree on. Um, whenever someone speaks, and that is that the Bible, this is the Word of God. It's not what my perception is of what this says, but it's what God says I need to apply to my life through His Word. Now this morning as I talk with you, there's going to be a couple things that um, are going to be a little out of character, and I just ask for you again to always reference that we're using the Word of God. Um, when I was uh, praying this morning in the office, again, it occurred to me as I walked by Sister Unz's desk, she has a, uh, a little placard that says, when you come to pray, don't give God orders, just report for duty. So I'm going to do my best to report for duty. Romans chapter 5 and verse 16 says, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment by one was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You may be seated. Omnipresent. We know that God is omnipresent, all places at one time. And he knows everything we've done. There are many things that I've done in my life that I am ashamed of. And I'm thankful I don't have to tell all of you what they are. And I'm glad I don't have to hear all of yours either. It'd be pretty humiliating for both of us. But you know what else is humiliating? Is knowing that God was watching when I did that. And I want to talk to you today about guilt. Guilt is a major component in the devil's arsenal to keep people from receiving salvation and getting to heaven. A 
eroding the foundation of your relationship with God. Some people may say they haven't done anything. Nothing too serious. Maybe they're better than others, and that's wonderful. But the Bible says very specifically that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does not say some have come shorter than others. It says we all have sinned. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceiveth ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So let me paraphrase. You're all sinners. We're all sinners. If we claim that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. means I'm a liar, too. Add that to the list. Okay? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, now we take it a step further. We're not just deceiving ourselves. We're calling him a liar. And his word is not in us. As a child... At various stages of a child's life, they learn what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. What's right and what's wrong. What's right is usually expressed in laughter or a soft tone. What's not right is sometimes met also with laughter um, because kids say the wildest things. But it can also be a pat on the butt or on the hand and a voice inflection that they understand means no. And children learn that. As they get older, it becomes more prevalent and more evident for them. And you begin to learn at a very young age what you should and should not be doing. That does not mean that you're always going to do the right thing. Now, with a child, and, and those of you that have had children or even been around children at any point, young children, they will, they will try and touch something a lot of times. And they'll put their hand out and you'll tell them no. And, they, and you, know, you may pat them on the hand just to tell them, hey, you know, that's hot or something like that. You don't want them to burn themselves. And they put their hand up there and you just give a little swat and tell them no. And they kind of look at you and they move their hand up a little further and you swat it again You tell them no. And sometimes there's repetition involved. Because at first they want to see, well, how bad is it? And how much can I get away with? It doesn't end at childhood. We're the same way as adults. Well, how close can I get without getting in trouble? Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, I'm going to read this out of the NIV version, says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. We learn. As a society, we make laws and we determine what boundaries you can and which boundaries you cannot pass. 
The difference between someone who is reprobate and someone who, is continu- who continually sins and feels guilt is that someone who is reprobate believes that the sin is justifiable and okay. The other knows that they've done something wrong and want to make it right with God. But you might say, God is not dumb. And I agree with you. I repent and he forgives. And I go out again and I do the same thing and I repent and he forgives. At some point, he will stop forgiving me because I continue to do the same thing. Wrong. Anybody ever had that thought? I know I have. And I start thinking that, you know, God sees me when I repent. And God sees me when I go and make this mistake. What does God think of me when I go to make the mistake? And then I come to church, or I'm in my car, and I start to pray. And the first thing I do is repent. I come to, this, to the sacrifice portion. I say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry, because I know what I've done. I tried to reach out and, and touch something I wasn't supposed to touch. And I get to the point where I'm like, yep, it's me again, God. Remember that thing? Yep, again. Please help me to overcome this. Now, I would love for God just to be able to say, okay, no temptation for you, Michael. We're gonna take it all away, you get to walk easy street. But that's not the way it goes. Luke chapter 17 and verse one says, then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. So God gives us some, some instruction here. His word says, if someone offends you and they come and they say they're sorry, you need to forgive them. That's our responsibility. Don't you think God would expect the same from himself as he expects from us at least? So God is telling us that no matter how many times essentially someone offends you, you need to forgive them. So, would it be safe to say that no matter how many times we offend God, he's faithful to forgive us? Now, some of you would say, and I I liked how my dad put this, you're giving people a license to sin. Cheap grace. I don't think anything God does is cheap. Okay? I think God knows if you're sincere. The Bible says that God knows your heart. And God knows their heart far better than I knew. 
So I think if, if God is watching, and I see people, uh, just be real candid with you today. Um, now, there were, for those of you that have been in the UPC for a long time, I hope not to offend you today. I have been part of the UPC all of my life. I'm 38 years old, and I have seen a lot of things that have, um, I don't know how to say this. I'm not a very politically correct person, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, some things that have changed, some things that have been adjusted or tweaked. Um, there was, Pastor Kylie talked about theaters. Um, when he talked about this, he said, you know, he has a personal conviction about going to theaters. I don't. I don't have that same conviction. But as I was growing up, we weren't allowed to go to theaters. I wasn't. I went to um, Indiana Bible College. Uh, my parents were not around. I was at a dormitory. I was on my own. And one of the first things that I did was went to the theater. Yes, it was against the rules. Yes, that was the wrong thing to do. But first thing I did was I went to the theater. And I heard all the things that went on in the theater. And I looked around and I didn't see any of them going on. It's not to say that it doesn't. I'm just saying in this particular one, it wasn't going on. And I got to thinking, well, what's so bad about this? What would be bad is what I would be putting in front of my eyes. What's my choice of what I'm seeing? What am I watching? And, and that really pertains to every aspect of our life, not just movie theaters, okay? So I don't care. I mean, you could not go to a movie theater. How many, we don't have too many young kids in here, right? Hopefully. You could be watching extremely inappropriate stuff in your home. And you could go watch a Disney or Pixar movie at the theater. Which one's a better choice? Your decisions are going to determine a lot of, of things and I believe how God perceives it. If you are doing it, I, I, will, I will go back to this and you know, if you want to talk to me after, that's fine. I'll be back in the food pantry. Catch me at 2.30. If you want to linger that long, you've really got a problem with it. When I was growing up, and I'll pick on my, my brother-in-law, Keith. Yes. My brother-in-law, Keith, chose to grow a beard. Okay? I don't see anything wrong with it. When I was growing up, that would have been a sign of rebellion from the UPC. Okay? I don't have a problem with it. He's got a good attitude. He's up here ministering with the guitar. He's praising and worshiping God. I'm not here, I'm not, this morning I'm not here to bash the UPC in any way, shape, or form. I get concerned though, I have a, I, I ref on Saturday mornings throughout the winter, and I'm, the guy who heads it up, great guy, works with the Salvation Army, super nice, he's talking to me the, one week about, hey, you know, we're thinking about coming out to your church. I said, great, we'd love to have you. He said, well, you know, my brother was wondering about coming to your church too, and but he said that, um, you know, you guys, you guys require your, your ladies to wear skirts and dresses and, and you make them not cut their hair. And, and I said, hold on. I said, hold on, Mike. I said, let me tell you what we require. We require that the word of God 
is your guide. I don't care how you come to church. I should be mature enough as a Christian that if you come inappropriately dressed, I can look past that. Because you know what, I don't care. As long as you're here, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are being drawn by the Spirit of God to a place of repentance. To a house, yes. And I told them, I said, we don't require things. Would I appreciate modesty? Yes. I would appreciate it. I, I think it's hilarious. I, go to the, I do the grocery shopping for our home. I love it. It's a challenge to me every time I go. I'm a coupon clipper. <laughs> Yesterday, I saved $41 at Pick and Save. And I only spent 45 I was excited. That's my thing. But it cracks me up when I go into the grocery store and I'll see people from church. Let's just say, well, I'll see some ladies from church. And they may not have a conviction about a certain attire. And you know what? I'll be completely blunt. If I see you in the grocery store, don't, don't worry about what I'm going to think, okay? It's just not an issue for me personally. I don't look at that and I don't judge people on that. It's not in my character. But I, will, I find it hilarious because I will see some ladies that have, have been in the church for a long time and they'll, they'll avoid me like the plague. <laughs> I mean, we make eye contact in the produce department and I don't see them until the frozen food section. <laughs> you know? And it, it just cracks me up because I'm like, hey, you know what? If you don't have a problem with God with that, and that's completely up to you, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. That's between you and God. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not by the word of Michael Kyler. Okay? But if, if you're worried about how God sees you, good news. He sees you all the time. So he sees you in the grocery store, whether it's in the produce or the frozen food section. So don't dodge me because I'm not God. You don't have to worry about that. Come up and say hi. I might have some coupons for you. <laughs> but it, it amazes me how sometimes people, people fear what people think more than they fear what God thinks. You know, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I see, I see people, and I know that, that we've heard this a lot, and, and I'm gonna continue to say it, I think we have a great church when it comes to inviting new people into this church and you know, understanding that people are coming to this church because God is calling them out of a life of sin. I struggle with it every day. How can I expect them to come in and boom, everything in their life outside is changed when God has just begun the work on the inside? Now, I say that because this. It surprises me sometimes the maturity of some saints. And, and what I mean is this, is that we feel that people should maybe, some people feel that people should maybe dress a certain way or not wear some things and should wear other things. And they get hung up on it. And I don't understand it. And some people, 
as a pastor, some people will tell you, well, I don't think you're, I don't think you're setting this too, too high, and I think you're setting this too low, and, and you know, we're going to leave, because this isn't high enough, and this isn't... You can't please everybody. The one that I'm concerned about pleasing is God. And the one that you should be worried about pleasing is God. Let me tell you my stand on, on dress. Modesty. I have, and, and I, I tell you this in the utmost sincerity, I have been to youth camps, I have been to general conferences. I have seen, it looks like some of these women and some of these men have been poured into their clothes. Guys with, with pants that, I don't know how you could get, any, I don't even know how you could sit down without breaking the, the seams. These things are so, t- I mean, good thing they don't have any legs. But they're like, it's just inappropriate. If I can tell where your underwear line is, it's too tight. Okay? Guys and gals. And, th- and you know, some people say, well, they're wearing a skirt. Well, I don't care. They're wearing a skirt or wearing pants. Let's make sure that I don't have to look at things that I shouldn't have to see. Be modest. Guys, you don't need to wear muscle shirts. Ladies, I don't need to see this area. You know what? This is what I'm telling you, is that when we come to the house of God, we need to make sure that we're not a distraction to others. But as mature saints, we need to not allow it to be a distraction. We need to understand that they are in the presence of God, and that's where they need to be, and let's let him do the work on it. That's... Now I'll get back to my notes. Matthew 22 and verse 36 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? We want to make a bunch of commandments that we think are relative to what our beliefs are sometimes. I didn't think I'd get a single amen on that one. But we do it. it's, It's amazing to me, and again, those of you that have been in church a long time, you'll know this even though you may not want to admit it, but some people will have a very strong conviction about something until it hits home with them. And then there seems to be a softening. And, you know, when when I and my wife were married, we had a blended family. And there there were some that had come in shortly before that, and it was, it was kind of taboo, to be honest with you. And there were some people that had very strong feelings about that. And what I saw after that was a lot of people coming into the church with blended families. And what I think is, I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that we are receptive, more receptive now than we were then. And part of it is just because you're getting used to it, you're adjusting to it, and you see that those people still have a need. There, it is very tough to have a blended family. But God loves all of us. <laughs> and we need to be open to no matter what their situation is. 
What is the great commandment in the law? It's not the one that I make up or the one that I have a conviction about. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Remember when I started this? This message? That's what Jesus is saying. If we love one another as we love ourselves, as we love God, I think we would, will find it a lot easier to get past some of those things that might offend us. We might look at people a little differently. But Mark 10 and verse 18 says this, and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God, and thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. Jesus gets very specific, even in the Bible, on who will and who will not enter into his kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8 through 10, I'm going to read the King James Version first. It says, Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Let me read the NIV version for those of you that I just want to make it extremely simple. Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong and do this to your brothers and sisters or do you not know the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He's already established who will not enter. You don't have to determine that. Isn't it wonderful? Because like we talked about in the beginning, we're all sinners. None of us is qualified till we get to verse 11. And such were some of you. Now I'm going to, I am going to paraphrase this part. And such are some of you. But ye are washed every day. Ye are sanctified every day. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We have all sinned, and we still sin. So what am I saying today? We are all failures at trying to be God. So instead of looking down on one another... Let's try lifting one another up. Because I need grace. 
I need God's grace. I know you do too. So I'll, do, I'll make you a promise. I won't judge you if you won't judge me. We'll just let him determine the final outcome. But when we do this, I started this message in talking to you about guilt. The devil will try and use guilt to keep you from receiving the gift that God has already paid the price to give you. Guilt is something that the devil uses to keep you down. I have, I have struggled with this for many years because there is a, a thought that goes with being a minister, okay? That, first of all, you don't have a lot of people to talk to. Secondly, you're supposed to be above everything. It's not true. That is, <laughs> that's gonna be the biggest lie you ever have told to you if, if somebody tries to tell it to you. We are human beings. We have struggles. We deal with guilt also because when you come into the pulpit and are going to speak, I believe that you better be right with God. If you are not right with God, he will take care of you. But when we start looking at what does God want to accomplish in my life? Sometimes it's hard to be positive when you're struggling with something. Because guilt is constantly gnawing at you. When I, I, have, I have a... Jeff Renison is one of my, of my good friends. And one of the things that I really like about Jeff is he's always very positive And he's very upbeat. I got to spend some time with him a couple weeks ago and and it's one of, he's got that personality that just makes you feel better about, about yourself and about life and about everything that you're going to or might have encountered. And I find that if, if I'm around positive and upbeat people, I feel more positive and upbeat. And I think if we do that as a congregation with one another and we're lifting one another up, it's harder for guilt to fight us. If we're a group, if we're with a group of positive, happy people, when you're busy being positive, you will have a much harder time focusing on the negative and other people's faults or problems. I was at, this, I was at a store the other day. I had already made my purchase and, and the business owner looked at me. I had this, this tattered leather coat. It's, I don't even know how old it is. It's all worn and kind of decrepit, and um, the guy looks at me and he goes, hey, that's a really nice coat, I like that. Now I know full well that this is an ugly coat. <laughs> but him saying it made me feel better, made me feel good. Hey, you know what? It's got the uh, worn look. We'll go with that. Maybe that's in, I have no idea. 
And I had already bought the merchandise, so I'm guessing he was just looking for a, a return customer, but that type of thing just makes you feel good. When somebody comes up to you and go, hey, wow, you know, you look like you've lost some weight. Nope, actually gained 10 pounds, but thanks for telling me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Makes me feel good. Pants feel tighter, but I still feel good. But when you feel guilty, it's very hard to be positive. I know it's hard to come to church and feel like the first thing you have to do every service is get in a corner and repent. I know that feeling. It's almost like a kid going to the principal's office. All right, God, here we go again. I screwed up. Please forgive me. See you again next week for a repeat performance. It's the wrong attitude to take. When you sin, you should repent right away. Don't let it simmer because the devil will use it against you as much as he possibly can. And remember, we're not here to impress one another with how holy and righteous we are. We should be here to encourage one another as we go into a world where sin abounds, to encourage one another that grace does more abound. Because no matter what sins you've committed, you are in a place of freedom and grace and unconditional love. You know why I can say, you know, every day really is a good day? Because when I wake up in the morning and I repent and I get things right with God, I know that he's forgiven me. Now some of you may say, well, you know, at some point you have to start doing better. That is always the goal. Always the goal. But don't ever get to a point where you feel so guilty that you can't repent. No matter what you've done in your past, when you came to an altar of repentance and you got on your knees before God and you were filled with his spirit, your past was washed away. Anything that you've done, the Bible says, is cast into a sea of forgetfulness. The only person that remembers that is you and Satan. God has cast it away, but, God, but the devil will use it repeatedly to make you feel like you cannot possibly come to an altar again and repent he will use guilt to destroy your relationship with God. And you cannot allow guilt to overcome grace. God has given you a gift and he's already paid the price. And there are some people that would say, you know what, again, cheap grace. No, continual grace because you're not here to judge me. If I have to repent every day for the rest of my life, then I will repent every day 
for the rest of my life to receive God's grace. When I have a problem is when I'm no longer repenting. And that's the devil's goal. If you're here this morning, you may have come holy and righteous. And I'm glad for you. But there's a lot more of us that have come bearing a burden. Whether it's something we did this week, something we did months ago, and you just need to get it right with God. No matter how many times you do it, get it right with God. Don't let guilt come between you and heaven. God's grace exemplified in my life. And I have opportunity to show someone's God's grace every single day. Because no matter what they've done, I know that God is willing to forgive them also. And I can share with them that he's forgiven me. I refuse to let guilt and shame keep me from God's embrace. Will you stand with me this morning? Romans chapter 8, verse 34 says this, who is he that doth condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or guilt, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No guilt. God will convict you to repentance, but he won't condemn you. Not now. The victory is not to the one who justifies their sin, but to the one who confesses their sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But don't let guilt keep you from finding a place of repentance. And no matter how many times you have to pray that prayer, don't stop getting on your knees in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because if you do, you limit what his sacrifice is capable of in your life. Don't ever think that God can no longer forgive you because you've messed up too much. There were nails put through his hands, lashes upon his back, crown of thorns upon his head, spike through his feet. There is no limit 
to his love and forgiveness. I refuse to let guilt and condemnation run my life. I am humble enough to admit that I need God's grace every day. And it's only through grace that I'm here today. And every morning when I wake up, it's because of his grace. It's not because I'm good. It's because he loves me. And he already paid the price. There's a song I'm going to have Brother Matucci play as as we open this altar here shortly. As I finished my message on Friday, this song came on. And what a great confirmation for me to know that no matter what I've done, I may not understand it, folks. I may not understand how God could continue to love me, but I know that he does. So as we open this altar this morning, I'm going to ask you, lay your guilt at this altar and let God's grace bring you the peace that you've been looking for. No matter what you've done, I promise you that his grace is sufficient. Lord Jesus, as we open this altar, I pray that you would continue to touch hearts today. Lord, I know that there are people here, Lord Jesus, that need to hear this message. And I pray, Lord, as we open this altar, that you would just wrap your arms around them. Help them to feel your love and compassion. And let them feel that joy, knowing that you've taken away their sins. As they've repented, you've washed and cleansed. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.